Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and to help advance STEM awareness. Now here's your host, Kelly Green. Hi, everybody. Thanks for getting connected for this episode of STEM Unplugged. I'm your host, Kelly Green, the Chief Operating Officer of SciTech Institute, a collaborative nonprofit organization making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. In the studio, I have my team member, Casey Fankhauser, who is working to build the Arizona STEM ecosystem, one hub at a time. Tonight, we're excited to have a variety of guests on to celebrate sustainability in Arizona. Casey, would you please introduce our guests? Absolutely, Kelly. We were thrilled to invite each of them to participate tonight. Let me introduce Charlene Saltz, Manager of ESG Reporting and Data Analytics at Arizona Public Service. Melanie Baca, Project Manager at the Center for the Future of Arizona, Dory Morales, Publisher of Green Living Magazine, and Michelle Caparelli from Arizona Sustainability Alliance. This, this is really going to be a great discussion. Sorry, I stole your line. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us for STEM Unplugged. Let's get right into our discussion about the importance of your work and our growing economy and commerce right here in Arizona. So let's start with Charlene. Can you tell us a little bit about your career path and what got you interested in sustainability? Sure, so great to be here today. I'm looking forward to the discussion. So I had a um, very interesting, I guess, interesting career path that led me to um, sustainability and it very much relates to the STEM, STEM field. So as a young undergrad, I wanted to change the world um, and I figured out how, how do I change the world? And my way of changing the world was, as I thought about it, was education. So I quickly became an elementary school teacher. Um, that was my degrees, <laughs> elementary education. Yep. I think there's a couple of us maybe in the room. <laughs> and, uh, and then I quickly, believe it or not, I was in Atlanta at a time when schools were desperate for teachers and I couldn't find a teaching job. Um, not sure why, but um, it led me to environmental education. And so that was a really, I think, a good transition for me. Um, so I did, um, uh, oh gosh, environmental education everywhere, like as in Indiana and in Israel and California, like I just kind of traveled and found education jobs. And my, as I got into that more and more, I realized there was a gap between classroom and environmental education. And how do you bridge between outside agencies and the classroom, and that the two weren't seeing eye to eye. So after a couple of years of doing a little bit of classroom teaching, I went on to get my master's degree in environmental education. And this is all going somewhere, I promise. Um, <laughs> they, I got my master's degree in environmental education, and I ended up at ASU. I did a couple of different things, but I ended up at ASU for about seven years doing teacher workshops. So it was very STEM-oriented. It was when National Science Foundation pretty much required K-12 education with every single grant. So I was in the right place at the right time doing a lot of interesting work at ASU. And I did that for about seven years. And what I loved about that program, which I think relates to the work that um, Casey's doing, is that it was getting teachers in their classrooms involved in the research at ASU. So they looked at bugs and birds right outside their classroom doors and entered all that data over to ASU. So it was like my, had my heart there, right? Because you're taking the place that you live, building awareness for sustainability, getting it into the classroom. And then you would think, well, why wouldn't she have just stayed there? So eventually over time though, I decided um, for a career change and it was at the, about the time when CFL light bulbs, remember the little curly Q oh, light yeah. bulbs? <laughs> were coming out in the marketplace. And um, I 
friend of mine was doing, uh, was a consultant with APS and I started on that program and I was like, okay, educating consumers is also environmental education and is an important part of sustainability. So that's how I ended up at APS was um, doing consumer education and consumers were my audience and thinking about energy efficiency. And then that evolved into my role now um, as an ESG reporting um, manager. And that is my new education is, is our investors. So our investors um, and state, I'd say investors and stakeholders, but driven by our investors are interested in what APS is doing as a company to be more sustainable, what we're doing in the environmental, social and governance space. And so now I'm just educating a different audience. They're investors still using a lot of the tactics I learned when I was teaching students and teachers, but just changing it to a different audience. So I think that's important for the discussion today is that a lot of, I think what all of us do is education in some aspect um, and thinking about our audiences differently. So that is my long-winded career path that hopefully gives you a little bit about my history. We like inspiring journeys. Yeah, no, and when you said you were like, this is going somewhere, we were like, well, we know, we see you here. We invited you here. We knew it's going somewhere. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We're really excited to have you on. Um, Melanie, can you share yes. a little bit about the Arizona we want and what matters most to Arizonans? I would love to. Thank you. So what is the Arizona we want, right? So really what the Arizona we want is it's a space for close listening, really understanding what are the hopes and aspirations that all Arizonans have for the future of our state. Um, so the Arizona we want is really based on things that bring us together, what unites us as Arizonans, rather than focusing on what divides us mm -hmm. and looking at really those values um, on which we can all agree and our goal at CFA is really to ensure that these public values that we all share are realized for every Arizonans. And so um, I really kind of look at the Arizona we want as this intersection of aspirations, awareness, and action. Yeah, that's great. I think that's always what we talk about with our CSOs, taking some sort of action, whether it's small or large. Exactly. I, th I think starting that even younger and asking what what do even students want in their journey is important too. Well, I want to throw it over to Dory. I'm curious, what makes Green Living Magazine stand out from any of the other publications in Arizona, especially with sustainability? Well, um, Green Living is Arizona's only sustainability magazine, so I really don't have any competition, which is great. So we're really <laughs> connect the community together with education, um, to educate, inspire, and empower people to make eco-conscious choices for a healthy life and healthy living. And we're really, we have different verticals. So everything from style and beauty to wildlife, to conservation, to science and technology, to electric car, um, car charging articles, and then really connecting city officials, as well as business leaders, as well as consumers together, and really being a network um, to bring, you know, light, you know, bring, unite everyone as well. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> I think we need to introduce our, or ask Michelle a couple of questions about, you know, what are your thoughts on us um, strategically bringing all four of you together? Oh, I'm enjoying this. Um, this is fun for me. Um, I am a huge, obviously, proponent for sustainability, obviously working for the Arizona Sustainability Alliance. Um, 
Jillian, I, I definitely related. I had a, a long-winded, uh, or long-winded, I guess, a, a long journey to getting here <laughs> at uh, at where I am today. Um, lots of education, lots of I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I'm I'm pretty honored to actually just be able to sit in this room right now and be able to advocate for something that I have become inc- so incredibly passionate about, I would say, within the last decade of my life. So it's very different than my my journey. If you, you know, a couple of years ago, I was in a classroom preaching about sustainability. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on a podcast with people who have been doing this and talking about this and are actively out in our communities doing something. And that's where I've been just so honored to be at the Arizona Sustainability Alliance and being able to be part of this and really hopefully make some good changes, not only here in Arizona, but, you know, nationally, globally, whole thing. Well, it's pretty exciting to me. It's all women. I mean, besides Daryl, who's sitting over here producing. <laughs> this is all, this is pretty Daryl does have an awesome hair flip, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, shared values and all being in the room around, around a, a single concept, um, the shared public values in the Arizona We Want report, how do they intersect with sustainability? Yeah, so they you could look at every one of those seven shared public values and find the connection to sustainability. Um, so I'll just say what those sh- seven shared public values are just to give us some context. So the first is education. Um, so really a highly educated and skilled population. We have a few in the room. <laughs> we have many in the room represented here. Um, health and well-being, right? We want, all want access to quality health care. Um, jobs and economic opportunity, right? Um, that intersection between education, workforce development, and the economic opportunities available for all Arizonans, not just a select few. Good paying jobs so that we can have affordable health care and affordable housing. And then environment and sustainable futures. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> So that's really, you know, sustainable practices that protect all of our environment, right? Air, land, water, and support that high quality of life for all of us. Um, Civic engagement and leadership, another important element for sustainable futures, right? Um, So again, civic engagement policy that solves problems, unites us rather than divides us. Um, And then fair, just, equitable systems, um, treatment, fair, uh, equitable treatment of all Arizonans, and then immigration reform is the seventh. So think of those seven shared public values, and you can intersect those with environment and sustainable futures in every different way, right? There's just um, a factorial number of (laughs) uh, ways you can think about how to sustain the future uh, or sustainable elements for the future. One thing that came out of the Gallup survey that's behind identifying these seven shared public values was that 92% of Arizonans agree that they want to support these sustainable practices, right? So about um, protecting our air, land, water, and a high quality of life. So that's a lot of Arizonans that are prioritizing sustainable futures for our our state. That's pretty big. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. That only was it exceeded or equaled by education, right? Wow. So those two were the very top. That's, awesome. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so it's so interesting to have, you know, all of those shared values and and think about how all four of the guests on the call have those intersections. People talk about sustainability and sometimes they think of just like ecology or conservation biology. But I know everyone here is involved in some regards with with workforce. And um, like I was at, at an event for at for Green Living Magazine, and there was uh, green architecture and green design. I mean, just thinking about, you know, the it goes beyond the places to the people and prosperity and how all of that builds into sustainability. 
Yeah, I actually wanted to kick it back over to Charlene and talk a little bit about the role that APS has in making Arizona more sustainable. Are there any additional thoughts that you wanted to kind of share about your role? I know you were talking about the CFL bulbs, but anything specific that, you know, we'd love to hear a little bit more. Yeah, and I'll actually build on a little bit of what um, Melanie was talking about, about the shared values, because I think APS fits into a lot of those shared values. And we actually did a survey with our internal stakeholders and a couple of and external stakeholders. So um, to figure out what is APS's shared value with our shareholders um, and figure out where is the area that we could impact the most. And the area obvious, I mean, it's not obvious. It was good to see that it, it was clean energy, right? We are the electricity provider as we move forward and we are using, we think about climate change and think about sustainability for our state our electricity becoming cleaner is extremely important in that role. And so in 2020, our CEO committed APS to 100% carbon clean, carbon-free electricity by 2050. And I always like to stop and say carbon-free. That means not credits. That means not net. That is 100% carbon-free um, by 2050. With some interim goals of um, 2030 being 65% uh, clean with 45% renewables and also closing our, our last of our coal plants in 2031, which is seven years earlier. All that to say is helping those Arizonans who care about the environment and want clean air, want clean spaces, want us to be sustainable. I feel like that's the role of APS and what we are doing to um, contribute to sustainability from an environmental perspective. Um, and it's nice to work in an organization that supports that. You know, that was our, our current CEO, Jeff Goldner, that was his first big statement to come out with was this clean energy commitment. And out of that clean energy commitment after that was announced, so my role in sustainability, and a couple of people will relate probably, I was in the environmental department. I was like, oh, I'll take this job, it'll be fun. I'll do a sustainability week. I'll do some education, a little report once a year. My job was much more than that. <laughs> it grew very quickly, especially with investors being engaged. Um, but we were very close to the announcement of the clean energy commitment. And what we do now is also make sure that we are reporting on what we're doing to reach that goal. So a lot of organizations now you'll see in the greenwashing is they're coming out, they're making these bold statements. And then you start looking like, what are you doing to actually reach that goal, right? And there's a, a lot that's um, not being reported in those spaces. So I'm proud to say that's one of the roles I take on at APS is making sure our work, our group, um, that we're working towards that clean energy commitment and being transparent about it and sharing with our um, customers, our shareholders, our stakeholders, um, what we're doing in the clean space. So I think your initial question though was what my role is. And so my role is, you know, is talking about that clean energy commitment and then also what we're doing in the social space and the governance space to be a sustainable company. Awesome. Yeah, and, and speaking of, you know, doing events, uh, I wanted to, to pass it over <laughs> to Dory. Uh, we're, you know, celebrating the 11th season of the Arizona SciTech Festival. And I know you've been involved with the SciTech Festival for a while. Uh, what event are you most looking forward to in the next few months, you know, around uh, the sustainability working group or any other events that you're involved in? Thank you, Casey. And thank you for attending my events in the past. We're really <laughs> excited. Um, we try and theme our events um, closely with the theme of the magazine. So we have a Holmes 
um, event coming up at the end of February. And then we have an EV event coming up with the city of Tempe and possibly local first. We're hoping um, we'll join forces and then really talking about the electric infrastructure bill that just passed and really getting businesses involved and SRP as well. And then all of the electric car manufacturers that are here, there's about seven of them. So we're really excited about that. And then we've got a huge Earth Day event um, where we're going to try to bring everyone together throughout the state with different cities on what are the five key pillars of energy, waste, water, food. We're also partnering with um, Tempe Fashion Week and hopefully working with the um, SciTech Festival as well and any other um, nonprofits like the Arizona Sustainability Alliance. And we'd love to <laughs> week week with, uh, Arizona you Center might know somebody. Yes, I think it would be great to have a board for a extravaganza. And um, I actually came up with um, the concept to do the Earth Day event because nobody has a big Earth Day event and a lot of companies are doing maybe a smaller event virtually. And I just think now more than ever, it's the time that we have to take action on our climate. So, yeah, I think that's exciting. involved and really unite everyone. So, yeah, you mentioned the electric vehicles. I think the um, exciting you know, connection of being able to get back out into the public. We had our STEM Fest and we got a chance to have the Lucid Motors vehicle out. We also went to your ribbon cutting at electric vehicle or zero EV. I think there's a lot going on, but uh, back over here to Michelle. I think there's some roles that Arizona Sustainability Alliance plays in making these collaborative connections, but what are some of the highlights you want to share with the group about what you guys are up to? Oh, goodness. Um, I just feel like we're we're one of those organizations we've managed to get our, our foot in lots of doors. Um, but one of the biggest things I know we're proud of within our urban forestry priority. So we have um, four to five, it's, you know, big priorities. Um, we focus on sustainable food systems and renewable energy and conservation. And one of them is urban forestry. And um, one of the things that AZSA has been able to be part of is something called the Urban Forestry Roundtable, which was um, started in collaboration with the city of Phoenix, as well as the um, American Tree Foundation and some of the other local organizations around here. And what we've done is we realized there were all these projects going on around the valley and we needed to find a way to get everyone connected. So that's why I'm looking at this event going like, this is exactly <laughs> the stuff we're talking about. Um, we need to find a way because we find that you know, there's someone doing something small over here and there's someone doing something big over here, but it's if all of a sudden you're working together, you can make these huge, wonderful events. Our big things, we're, we're huge into tree plantings. We do those at least once a month. Um, we do adoptive parks, which are a big conservation effort, which can entail us going and planting pollinators and going and removing invasive species. We obviously have our education initiatives because um, that's my job. And so I'm a fan of that. I mean, one of the biggest things is making sure that we are connecting all of these wonderful organizations with each other, as well as working with us and just really trying to work to make Arizona greener and better for everybody around the valley. Yeah, I think for our listeners, we're not talking, you know, gigantic companies. I mean, SciTech, we're maybe seven full-time staff members. I think AZSA, I think we're at see is it three or four full-time technically and then we have a like three or four part-time people i think we're seven employees officially and then lots of volunteers yeah so we're, we're big into that 
Anyone listening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Email us. We'll yeah. Sure uh, please find me. No. <laughs> yeah. Over at Center for um, the Future of Arizona. Same thing, too. You're not like a huge. There, it, there's a great network behind what you do, but it's right. not necessarily a big team. So it's so smart that we're right. collaborating. So one of the things we want to talk about are those misconceptions. So I'll throw it over to Dory. What is one misconception, you know, maybe about your magazine or the term sustainability that you'd kind of like to debunk on our podcast tonight? <laughs> no pressure, Dory. <laughs> if anybody else wants to go first so she can think about it. But we're definitely curious if there's anything out there that you'd like to share with our listeners. I think that there's a lot of misnomers about sustainability still, unfortunately, in this day that it's, you know, you're still tree huggers and, oh, it t- costs too much and you can't. I saw Michelle at the park. She was hugging the tree. <laughs> you know what? It told she was me just it loved to me and it. I needed to share. Um, <laughs> she yeah. was trying to put it for, to planet. For last yeah. Earth Day, I was hugging a tree as well. So <laughs> We're not saying don't hug the trees. Right. We're just saying maybe do something Please else tree too. A living organism. It's got feelings. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Sorry, Dory. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I, um, I think, you know, what I really try and tell people is just make simple solutions because simple solutions add up. And, you know, if everyone, um, just switched from using a plastic bag or switched to, um, discard plastic in their life or switched their skincare, because in most women's skincare, there's 16 toxic, sorry, toxic chemicals. And most people don't know that. And then you start looking at net zero waste and how much how much waste there is in the world. And if you bring in your jars and containers into the grocery store and you use your recyclable bags, you know, small things add up. And then you can start to work on the larger projects as well. So I'm a big proponent and do one thing or if everyone does someone, it creates a lot of change. And especially like with our oceans and some of the products we use in our skincare goes right into the microbeads into our water and then dilutes our water and ends up in our oceans and our landfills. So that's a great one. What about uh, you, Charlene? Oh gosh. Anything about APS? I know, right? Like you're not just the power company, right? There's so much more. There is so much more to us being at the power company. And I, um, you know, the power company, I think People think about the power company as paying their electric bill, right? Like they think about it a very little bit. And typically they think about it as my electric bill is too high. Like that is probably what the way to think about electric, uh, our electric company. And I'm not going to debunk or talk about electric bills. So that's not where I'm going with it. (laughs) But I think that um, what is that is that APS is much more than an electric company, right? We are here to serve our customers power. We keep the power on. And reliability is not easy. I mean, we saw what happened in Texas last year with the snowstorms. And in order for our grid to be compatible and move move towards that 2050 goal, people are like, that's so far away. Why can't you do something sooner? Go faster. And I was like, okay, but you want us to be reliable and you want us to be clean and you want us to be affordable. So in order to be affordable to our customers, I mean, we talk about um, health and welfare and we think about the heat that's coming, right? And especially with climate change and how hard it is for customers to pay their bills. We have programs to address some, you know, to address that, to help our customers. 
Um, so that's where the affordability is. We can't go too fast because then, then our electric prices just are going to skyrocket and we can't, that's not fair to our customers. It's not fair to being making Arizona sustainable. And then you think about um, the reliability factor. Nobody wants their power out, especially mm -hmm. during the summertime, right? That is <laughs> the number one, <laughs> one piece. And so I think sometimes is like just instead of, I think that the utility gets a bad rap and, and thinking about how, when's the last time you had a power outage and how long that power outage really lasted. And we're doing that at the same time as providing right now 50% clean. And we're here to support our goals to be 100% uh, carbon-free clean by 2050, which is challenging. I will just add on is with the electric car, right? So we're moving from gas to plug in that vehicle. Well, where's the electricity coming mm. from to charge that vehicle? And then there's a whole lot of education I could do around what time of day to charge your vehicle and how best to charge your vehicle. But I think those are some of the things to just debunk about the electric is electricity is like you flip your light switch and we take for granted what's but get how electricity gets from that coal plant or from that renewable facility or that Palo Verde all the way to the light switch coming on. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of debunking in there. <laughs> I was going to say, I talked about this with uh, Verizon on one of our STEM career days about how does your cell phone actually work? Because students just magically don't understand that in the old days, we had a party line, right? <laughs> right? <Yeah>. So <laughs> the idea that what is Wi-Fi and, you know, how does the internet work and how does that cell coverage really jump from tower to tower? Really understanding those radio signals is exactly what you're talking about with the electricity. How does your light switch actually work on and off? And sometimes yep. it's not because you didn't pay the electric bill, but that's definitely a number one. <laughs> <laughs> there is that, there is that, um, that issue, but yeah. Melanie, what about for the center for the future of Arizona? Like debunking, I would say like, this is from my kind of personal experience is kind of connecting with agency again, because I think sometimes the environment and sustainability issues seem so overwhelming right. and people get frozen, right? They're like, well, what could I do? You know, they, these problems are massive. I can't, what, what can I possibly do? And so I think that's what I love about having those kind of seven shared public values that are based on the voices of Arizonans to kind of give us an action agenda, a, a a place to build community from that um, can drive Arizona forward in terms of, you know, those sustainable practices that we all really aspire to work towards. And kind of giving ourselves permission to be curious again. You know, you you all have already shared, you know, ask why. Why, where do I get my cell phone energy from? Where are we going to get stations to, you know, support EV vehicles? And so I think that's like what I love about uh, kind of building community around these shared aspirations is it helps, you know, cultivate agency, curiosity. And, and when you start feeling that, you know, you start wanting to volunteer with Michelle at her tree hugging events. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's part of it is just, you know, there are so, so many things we can do as individuals and as organizations uh, to help drive Arizona forward in terms of sustainable practices. Yeah, that's incredible. Well said too. All right, Michelle, round it out. What do you think? Oh, goodness. What do I want to do? Well, I've heard about <laughs> food computers and I was skeptic, but then I saw it and I watched the video last year. Oh, they're cool. I thought that's so cool. I want a food computer. So what's funny is 
I love all aspects of sustainability, but I'm currently getting my doctorate in um, sustainable education at Prescott and um, with my focus being on food systems. So I love talking about food systems. And that to me is actually one of those things I always love talking about is the fact that our what we eat and how we eat, where it comes from and all those things have a huge impact on our planet. And um, it's one of it's something as small as trying to buy something that's locally grown, mm. decreasing your food miles. And so I always look at it as an, if there was something I could debunk, it would be the fact that as a single consumer, you can make no impact. And you know what? I, you know, yes, you're not going to go take down and fix all the carbon coming out of a corporation and you're not going to get everyone an electrical vehicle today. Um, but something small you can do is think about when I'm buying food. Um, like you said, picking up that plastic bag that you mm. see on a street. It, it's small things like that that I do think if over time everyone started contributing like that, it would start to add up. You know, right now, agriculture contributes to around 26 percent of our carbon emissions um, overall and climate change in and of itself. And I just think people don't always realize how much our food just in and of itself has impacted our planet on just so many different facets, biodiversity, land use, water use. Arizona, you know, we're obviously, you know, we are in the middle of a desert. And, you know, it's great that we have all of our wonderful agriculture out here, but we do need to think about where is all that water coming from? Because it's not, you know, just falling from the sky every day, right? So, um, you know, that to me would be one of those things I would love people to understand is like, you can make a change as an individual. And if it's something as small as picking up some trash on the side of the road or doing something about, you know, I, I'm always a proponent for like, you know, the meatless Mondays and things like that. Um, and, you know, big companies are starting to get involved with things like that. And I, I find that to be very reassuring that people really do want to make change. Like you said, 92%, you know, yeah. that's huge. It's yep. absolutely huge. And people are always feeling like I'm the only person doing something and I'm the only right. one out there. And that's just absolutely not true. So whatever you are doing, small, large, you know, you got to keep doing it. And celebrate it too. Yes. Like, yeah, today I didn't exactly. use plastic or I reduced, you know, the amount of plastic I used today. Absolutely. I would kind of throw that over to Casey, right? So she's on our team, environmental scientist. She's a biologist. What are some of your thoughts about debunking some sustainability issues or myths? I really like sustainability. I think because it it's a really clear way that science cannot exist in a bubble. And, and sustainability, I think, is a really good example of that, where, where all of the technology that goes into when is the industrial age and um, the ways that different technology or different, um, you know, scientific fields impact different people differently. I just think that when it comes to sustainability, that's such a clear example of you can't just go and plant trees and not talk to anybody, yep. you know, like you can't just come up with the technology and assume that it's going to fix everybody because everybody understands what that technology is and how it's going to help. Um, and so I just think that that sustainability is such a great example of why it's important to connect people to science and and connect people to sort of the places they live and uh, their community organizations. And I think that that really spreads to all fields of STEM, but sustainability is a really awesome example of the way that these things are all very clearly linked and you can't have sustainability without the people and you can't have the people without the sustainability. Yes. Yeah. And before we move into some <laughs> of our final questions from Casey and myself, I just want to highlight the fact again that 
we were strategic and thank you all for saying yes. But the planning of this conversation is to give our listeners an opportunity of ways to get involved and, you know, the different organizations represented here and what you're doing and how you're celebrating or the opportunities that people may have to volunteer or go hug a tree, right? (laughs) There's, there's a way if you're listening and you have no idea what to do, reach out and we'll share our contact information shortly. But it, it does just take that effort of saying, all right, I'm going to do something. And if you don't know what it is, there are five of us, six of us that are, you know, Claire's in here too. Um, <laughs> she's not, not at a microphone today. <laughs> willing to help anybody listening to, you know, take that first step. So our final question has to do with the ways uh, that we can encourage educators to share opportunities with their students, especially um, opportunities that, you know, will connect them to their future employees. Uh, sorry, in future employers. So um, how can STEM professionals support sustainability education around current industry standards and also current education standards? Um, And I'll just open it up for any suggestions. I mean, I I know speaking in part for AZSA, one of the big things we have is we have a workforce development as well as our education programs that we do in schools around the valley and ideally eventually across the state, but also a workforce development. And one of the beautiful things about our workforce development program is this innovation of connecting students and those educators to professionals in the field and allowing them to share that knowledge that they have spent so much time, um, you know, cultivating over their careers. And that to me is the biggest thing. That was part of why I went into education and why I was, you know, as okay as I was going to be leaving education um, and going to the, you know, and having this wonderful job at the Arizona Sustainability Alliance is the fact that I'm going to be able to continue to spread that message. I mean, one of the biggest things, I think education is hugely impactful and powerful and sometimes just someone knowing something that they didn't realize the day before. So I would say to any professional out there listening, I at least can speak for AZSA, reach out. We, we love partnering with people. We want to make those connections because we want everyone to start learning these valuable pieces of information that you have. And they're just, you know, maybe just sitting there in your brain. You're like, who do I share this with? Um, that to me is absolutely huge in, you know, expanding sustainability, not only in Arizona, but across the United States. Yeah, great sure. I was going to say, too, just building on Michelle's comments is, um, so at CFA, we've got several education uh, programs that we work with, and one of them is Pathways to Prosperity, and we sponsor some virtual externships that we invite employers from all industries. We'd love more representation with STEM and sustainability industry um, careers, uh, but they're in fall, summer, spring Basically, they present, you know, like a a 30 minute session, an hour session on what it is they do in their jobs. And it gives teachers and students an opportunity to make real world connections to what they're learning in the classroom. Um, And then another area we do, too, is um, what we call an industry speed date. So very similar, but that's (laughs) specific to (laughs) educators so they can swipe right and pick an an industry (laughs) individual they want to learn more about so they can bring that experience into the classroom. And in our work with education in um, uh, K-12 as well as post-secondary, students are craving experiences that connect to the real world. Um, That is where they thrive. They love problem solving for real world problems, and they love understanding and becoming aware of what careers are out there that they can um, apply what they already know, you know, what their value is now into those industries. So 
Another way to kind of build bridges too is um, classrooms could take the Gallup survey that CFA sponsors and see how their results compare to the statewide results and then invite an industry expert in to kind of help build community around problem solving with some of the shared values. So That's a great idea. Yeah. Should definitely. What <laughs> yes. about online, Dory? Yeah, I was just going to say, Dory, you know, you you talked about sort of the vertical integration of sustainability and, and maybe you could talk about uh, just some of the interesting sustainability related careers that somebody might not know about until they open a magazine, a green living magazine. <laughs> well, I think, um, well, one area that I'm pretty um, passionate about is sustainable fashion. And I think I've mentioned that before because a lot of people don't, you know, the food, obviously, food systems and agriculture and all of that's like really important too. But it's, you know, really looking at your clothes and how many, um, how much clothes is being recycled and different things like that. But if you can get involved in like who made my clothes and what materials are in my clothes and different things like that. But from other perspectives in terms of sustainability, jobs, um, I mean, a green architect, a green realtor, a lot of people don't even like think about that. And then there's the whole like, there's a lot of professions that you can get involved in that I, I don't think a lot of people really connect the dots between the lifestyles of health and sustainability and really getting involved in healthcare because we can be educated and doing all these things, but if we don't have our health, we don't have anything. And it's really about what are we putting in our mouth and you know who is your farmer as well too. So those are you know, and there's so much with like homeopaths and natural paths and environmental doctors and holistic doctors that I don't think a lot of people think about. So excellent. Thank you. What about you, Charlene? Yeah, thanks, Dory. And on the clothing thing, my favorite thing lately is to mend my clothes. Like I've gotten so into like sewing my socks and like my husband's work shirts and 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 re and continuing to reuse them. So anyway, my little plug for the sustainable <laughs> fashion and like and it's therapeutic, right? It's so therapeutic. Well, except for threading the needle. Once the needle's thread, then it's really therapeutic to I'm like. I'm sure he struts through the living room and, and like, says, "Thanks, honey. Look at my mended shirt. <laughs> like a little fashion show." Yeah. I will say you can buy iron-on uh, jean patches if you don't want to thread a needle. That is something I recently <laughs> <you> discovered. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, ending, I think that's amazing. I was just talking to someone from ASU who was saying, she's like, I don't know what to do. I have all these socks I mended and I just don't want to like give them away. So thank you yeah. for doing that. Yeah. It's such a, yep. Yeah, a love. There's so much love in that. Um, anyway, but from a sustainable career standpoint and coming from APS, I think one of the things I, um, I will tell, cause I get people coming to me all the time, not all the time, but Charlene, how can I get into sustainability? Like, what should I do to get into sustainability, especially being at a large corporation? And I will admit in my youth, I would, you had told me 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you're going to work at a large corporation for a utility. I'd be like, no way. There is no <laughs> way that that's my career path. Like, not at all. Um, and I love what I do now. And I think that the big part of it is making sure what, as you go for a career, look at what your company's values are and where they stand. Most companies have long-term goals now. They have sustainability reports. Dig into the value and look for that shared value with the companies and places that you're going to. Because yes, 
I might be in supply chain and I have a sustainability interest, you can impact your supply chain from a sustainability perspective. And where are our wires coming from? What are we doing with our schools that are left over on construction projects? Um, I there's a gal I know working in construction and looking at our waste and can we can reduce our waste in our construction projects? So being a little creative and thinking about how you can take an an area that might not be directly related to sustainability, but bring sustainability to a company and have that influence is extremely important. And there, I think, is more and more of an appetite for bringing those innovative ideas to companies. I mean, I'll, I keep talking about it, but it is such part of my every day is our 2050 goal, right? That's going to take all kinds of technology that we don't even know what exists right now in the clean energy space. And I like that we are open to exploring that and we have employees coming up with ideas and making suggestions and looking for those opportunities. So I think going back to that work mindset is thinking about looking for companies that align and knowing that the sustainability piece is something you can add on and include and, and be an influencer from, from a different angles. So that I will, that's my thought on education. And I will also say that APS has a ton of programs. So we have teachers in industry programs and we just had a teacher this year who was a math teacher who joined our sustainability team and did all kinds of data analysis and took that back to her classroom for math, math programs. Um, and we have all kinds of grants to support teachers and the Supply My Classroom to help teachers with STEM education. And so there's all kinds of opportunities for those listening to think about how APS can support in the education space. Um, and one last thing is even though, and you might not think about it, but our, as an electric company, we are also tree huggers. We just launched <laughs> a, a, a tree program where we are funding um, qualified organizations for community-based tree planting projects. And our goal is to expand tree canopy in vulnerable communities to help reduce heat island. Wow. So an, a really good example of how APS as an electric company expands out into sustainability and um, our community giving folks are the ones working on that project. So yeah, I, think, I, was, oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think it's, I'm really glad you highlighted that because I think when it comes to sustainability or really sort of any, any systemic challenges, any social challenges, I, before joining SciTech, I never would have thought about the impact that corporations and businesses can have in this, in this sort of social sector. I think everybody on the call who's done some sort of nonprofit or, or any sort of, you know, social work has benefited from, from local businesses and corporations. And I think your point of, you know, if you can join, join a business or corporation and bring that value with you, I think there's, there's so much change that you can, what's the word I'm catalyze. That's the word I'm looking for. You can really catalyze a lot of change. And, and I think what you're saying too, like, I imagine that eight years ago, I would have been like, why are you working with X, Y, and Z business for social justice? You know, like it wouldn't have even crossed my mind. And now I think, you know, especially when it comes to something like sustainability, where 92% of Arizonans <laughs> are on board, you yeah, know, that's really, <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. I love that. But, but realizing that, that everybody has a part to play, whether it's an individual or, or an international yeah. corporation. Dory, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you know about this, but I did want to make this a little pitch, not about AZSA. There's a website called Good For You. Dory's nodding her head. She's like, yes, I know that, which <laughs> makes me feel better. Um, because yes, where you buy your clothes matters. I love that I'm in a room full of menders because I definitely, I fix all my stuff too. 
it does give you kind of a sustainability score. It tells you its animal impact, um, the impact it has on the planet, as well as its impact on just people around the world. And it go, it's global and it connects you to um, all sorts of maybe, you know, what might be smaller companies that are real into sustainability and, you know, equitable jobs and fair pay. And it's just, it's really wonderful. And so it allows you to make those conscious choices as a consumer. So I just wanted to throw that out there because one of my coworkers like just introduced that to me. Um, and I don't know if it's good for my bank account that I know that exists. Cause I'm like, no, it's good for the environment. Um, but I, I do, I really love that that tools like that exist. And sometimes it is as simple as making sure people know they exist. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a great platform to do that, right? The idea of, um, you know, talking about those STEM careers and pathways, we really want to thank all of you for coming on and sharing a little bit about your journeys, but also your purpose. And I think that's something that, you know, from when I was in school, we didn't really meet with future career specialists and talk about what is your purpose and what's your job and how can you change the world? I, like Charlene said, I want to change the world, but I didn't know how. And, you know, like the idea of what would you say to an eighth grader if you had the chance to go into a classroom, maybe even a sixth grader, because they're getting so much smarter earlier these days, um, but like planning out their future and taking these IB classes, it blows my mind. But the idea of really connecting with those individuals, maybe not your own children, if you have any, because they don't think you're cool, but <laughs> other eighth graders, um, middle schoolers, what would you tell them about the pathway to maybe your organization or other organizations you've worked with? What would be a tip or advice about finding their purpose and really finding a career that they love and how important that is? Any thoughts? You want to start... Uh, Anybody want to start? Or do you want me to pass it to Charlene? I'll start because, oh, do you want to start? No, no, no. Oh, I, I was no, going to say. I, I jumped in last time. I can go last no. this time, but I definitely have thoughts on this. Yes. I was <laughs> going to say, I love this um, space because with the work that I do on, I'm on a U.S. federal grant um, called Career Connected Pathways, and we're primarily working in the secondary, post-secondary space, but also middle school. So that's a critical time to start thinking mm -hmm. about what does my future look like? I was like? a sixth grade math teacher. Yeah. And so, so thinking about that and maybe some of the limited exposures they've had to opportunities, they just don't know. You don't know what you don't know, exactly. right? So, um, so really kind of digging into the concept of where do I belong and who am I becoming, right? Mm -hmm. And really understanding how emotion and beliefs and values really inform the answer to those questions. And so that is such a wonderful time to be around kids that are exploring those concepts of where do I belong and who am I becoming? And I think that's, um, it, I mean, especially you were talking about change. Kids really, I think, are more aware of systemic changes that are required in our society. They're even invited to think about it, right? And or, they have great ideas, yeah. right? They have, I was with some high schoolers last week, amazing, you know, just how engaged they were and, um, you know, really looking at what's, what unites, um, you know, and things that they can, they can do, they feel empowered to do. So I'm inspired by that group of students. Um, and I think that's, that's just the symbiotic, you know, um, energy that passes back and forth when you you can get into a classroom and talk with students. So I would like for students in that age group, I would just say, know your place. You know, you, you have permission, know your place, the good, the bad, the ugly. And just, again, um, fuel that curiosity, give them the space to ask questions. I love it. 
Yeah, I was a I was a classroom educator for 10 years before I um, joined AZSA. And one of the most beautiful parts of my job was being able to impact students and give them information that they otherwise would not have been exposed to. But um, I guess one of my pieces of advice would be, be like, continue to follow your passions. I love science. I love education. I started off with a degree in nutrition management. Um, I was supposed to be a dietitian. And then I was like, I want to be a high school teacher. And then I went and got a degree in that. And then I was like, I really like environmental science. And so I kept going to schools, mostly what I did. But um, I still joke with people. I finally feel like I know what I'm doing when I want to, you know, what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, And it took me a really long time to get there. But I think if you take that time to figure out what you're passionate about, and for me, it, it has definitely become sustainability in the environment. And this is something I see the rest of my life revolving around. I, you know, I, I get to love coming to work every day. And I loved teaching every day too, but there's something different about this. Um, there's something different that I really get to express my passion and something I have been working toward. And I would say to anyone out there who wants to make a change, I, you know, I joked when I would tell people what I wanted to do for my job. Um, and they were like, does that exist? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll find out when I get there. And, and sure enough, it did. I'm so lucky to be at the organization I'm at. It's just allowed, a, and it, to me, an entire new platform of education. And I, I never would have guessed this job existed, just like Charlene was saying. Like, I never would have guessed I was working for, you know, an energy company. I would never have guessed, you know, I'm partnered with all these wonderful organizations and you know, we get to work with, you know, kids in the food desert talking about why fruits and vegetables are important and putting, you know, vertical gardens in their classrooms. And then we're working in renewable energy and we're expressing to kids like, look at all these career pathways that exist. And that's something that AZSA has now really opened my eyes to of this exists and there's a need and there's a niche and we have to just keep pushing that. So I guess I would say to anyone out there, like, follow your dreams. There's probably a job out there. And if there isn't, go make one. <laughs> Great point. All right, Charlene, what about what about you? Yeah. Anyway, the side note, Michelle, I was a nutri- nutrition major to very my very first start too. There but we anyway, go. It's like, that's it. We all end up with sustainability. And, and, <laughs> it's funny, but um, I, you know, my first thought was very similar to Michelle's, and it was follow your passion. You know, and 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 that that passion might change, especially mm-hmm. as a sixth or eighth grader, right? You, there's a lot of different areas of interest. So own your passion, follow your passion, ask the questions as um, Melanie said, right? In asking those questions, follow the passions, but also give yourself room to change because life is full of change and those career, those, those opportunities might change. And my other one from my years of teaching is finish high school at least finish through high school, you know, there's no rush to go to college, but at least finish and get your high school diploma in whatever format that might be. So that opens your doors um, to other things. So it was finish high school and, and at the same time, follow your passions and look for opportunities. And, you know, I think too, is like, find those things yourselves. Your parents might not know them, but go ask your teachers, tell your teachers what your passions are. And, you know, as all the educators in this room, we're here to help, right? Like if a kid comes and asks, where should I go look for X, Y, or Z? Like, bring it on. I'll help you find it, right? Yeah. Um, and Same so here. making sure you're asking questions and, and getting support for what you do and finish high school. I agree. <laughs> I agree. No matter the form, but I, I went in the military, so I'm a huge proponent of, you know, mm. explore the options. All right, Dory, what would you say to eighth graders if you had a chance to chat? Well, I think, um, follow your passion, look at your values. But I also think it's really important to volunteer, like go to different organizations and volunteer. And I want to say we've had high school students and 
college students that have been interns with the magazine and it's been wonderful. And I was actually blown away, Kelly, um, at the Barrett Jackson and some of the STEM kids that you had and the conversations they that were I had. Awesome. <laughs> were incredible and I just think it's really important to get kids involved especially like in eighth grade like get them out in volunteering at different organizations so maybe they can find what they're passionate about or what they like and what they don't like and cultivate it I love it well to our listeners we encourage you to get involved in the STEM community maybe you're an industry professional seeking ways to make an impact on the lives of others but you need an opportunity to share Maybe you're a student searching for a mentor and not sure where to look or who's available. Maybe you're a community collaborator hoping to meet the right people to make a SciTech festival event happen. (laughs) (laughs) Plug, plug, shameless. Um, We definitely want to help you get connected to encourage events, tours, showcases, these amazing STEM career panels and more. As you know, the 11th season of the Arizona SciTech Festival is happening now, so definitely check our website. But we want to go around one last time to share how our listeners can get in contact with you. Maybe you share a website or your email. Charlene, what's one way they could find out more about you? Probably the easiest way is through uh, my LinkedIn account um, is probably the best way to find out if you want directly from me. Um, if you're interested in APS, our website, APS.com has all the, all that you need at that location and the website. Sorry. It's not really a location, but website. <laughs> Perfect. And Dory? They can get a hold of me by emailing me dory.m at Green Living Magazine. They can go to our website, which is greenlivingmag.com. They can follow us or connect with us on any social media platform. They can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn um, as well. Excellent. Melanie? Um, Real quick, I just want to give a big shout out to everyone here because you guys, just in this one little conversation, have touched on every action agenda item that's in that shared public value of environment and sustainability. So awesome. (laughs) Um, Getting a hold of me, um, ArizonaFuture.org is our website and Melanie.Baca at ArizonaFuture.org. Perfect. (laughs) Michelle? Uh, Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Michelle Caprelli, for me specifically, um, as an organization, azsustainabilityalliance.com. We have our volunteer form there as well. And as a nonprofit, we do also enjoy donations. Um, so once again, another shameless plug. Right. But, you know. Tax season. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're a big fan of that. Um, so, yeah, please make your donations. We appreciate that. We need, we love all the help we can get so we can continue doing our projects. So that's how I would say to get in contact with us. More food computers. Casey, yes, what about awesome. you? Uh, you can reach me through the SciTech Institute. You can find my email on the website. Uh, You won't know how to spell it, my name. So go to the website and check it out there. (laughs) Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged, exploring sustainability in Arizona and beyond. We appreciate all of our guests for being on the show and to my teammate, Casey, for supporting Ecosystem Connections. If you would like more information on ways to volunteer or support organizing an event, let us know. You can check out our website, SciTechInstitute.org, and complete the Get Involved form. A quick shout out to all of our educators, students, families, and community members celebrating the third week of the Arizona SciTech Festival and STEM in Arizona. We appreciate your enthusiasm, and thanks for listening. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged. We encourage you to get involved in the STEM community and stay connected at SciTechInstitute.org.